The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Good afternoon and welcome to the massagepodcast.com. Here in Boulder, Colorado, we're uh, happy to give you our 39th episode today. And my name is Elaine Kalenda. I'm also here with uh, Jorge Cisneros, our producer. Don Atkins is out this week. All right, so our special guest today is none other than Chris Balsley. He's back again. We had him on one of our very early episodes and... um, uh, by popular demand, he's back on today to talk about um, a number of things that tie into massage therapy, but also to um, tell you about his latest uh, workshops that are coming up that, uh, you know, if you're in the Boulder, Metro, Denver area or want to travel in, they are worth it. So let's get started today. Let's let you know where we are and uh, who we are. You can leave a message or uh, send us a text at uh, 303-656-656. 9860. You can send us an email if you'd like, www.massagepodcast.com, and uh, get on our contact page or come chat with us live during our recordings and follow us, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. And now you can also download our podcast from iTunes. Okay? So those are all the ways you can reach us, and we do love hearing from you. So, uh, Chris uh, is here today, as I mentioned. Chris Balsley, um, he'll give you his contact. We'll have his contact information on our contact page as well, at massagepodcast.com, as well as all the guests we've had on so far. So please check out our previous episodes if you want to catch up. Uh, we really appreciate any comments that you have for us as well. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon, Elaine. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your background yourself this time and then uh, what's going on with you these days? What's on your mind? Well, I think a particular interest is uh, I started body work as a professional massage therapist in 1984. 84. 84. And you and I have done trades. We've done trades for years. Uh, You're my favorite (laughs) trade partner for many years now, yeah. And I think you were the only person that I'd known or met that had more hours than I did. I think we've, you know, there's probably 15,000, 20,000 hours of hands-on time. Right, you know? right. And, and after a while, I started looking at um, what was working and what wasn't working, you know, because you, you do a lot of hands-on work and some things work and some things don't. Mm-hmm. And so really that's the, that's the key of what I want to talk about today. Is, okay. You know, what works and what, what doesn't. What works yeah. and what doesn't. What you should throw out if you have a routine, if it's not working. Exactly. I studied a lot of body work early on that was deep tissue. I did some studies in China and I did some studies here and eventually got certified and found out that I really love doing deep tissue body work. Yes, you do. Sometimes <laughs> I have to even say, okay, you can lighten up a little bit. Sometimes I feel the china coming out. Inkle. Inkle, sorry. <laughs> uncle. <laughs> That's why I didn't stop. I thought right. you were saying ankle. Sorry. Okay, well. So. All right. Um, and the reason I would do that with anybody is to get rid of Tension and adhesion and stuckness in the body. And you know what you helped me get rid of? What's that? This chronic swelling in my legs. 
Yes. You see, now people might have conflicts with that because it was from a drug that they took off the market, that mm-hmm. Vioxx that was taken for a couple of months after my second back surgery. And that stuff just wouldn't leave my body. And every time I got into, had to go out of town on a flight, it made it worse. But remember, because I was otherwise a healthy person, you got in there pretty deep and got rid of that stuff. And thank you for that because mm-hmm. it's got still it. better. That was three, five, four or five years ago. That was now. a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So I've always had a, a propensity for touch. I mean, for really using manual therapy to help mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I would do anything from stretching to using elbows to pulling arms and legs and rotating people in the goal of releasing something that was stuck. And mm-hmm. I would find that some people would get better. Some people would stay the same mm-hmm. and some people wouldn't get better. Right. And after the first 10,000 hours, you start going, yeah, I know it's going to work. You know, this <laughs> yeah. is, it feels right. Yeah. And so people would say, oh my God, I can move my shoulder. And I, it used to be, oh my God, that's amazing to me because I was able to do something. But after a while, it makes sense. You know, you do this and this works and you release this muscle and you'll get more range of motion. Right. So that made sense. But the people that didn't get better got me really curious. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yes, of course like they do. I'm doing yes. the same good work and I'm yeah. doing the same stuff and they didn't get better. And so right. I started really, I don't know if it was really a conscious choice, but I started working with people that weren't getting better. You know, I started working with people um, that had seen doctors and had done a lot of stuff, and it was sometimes a last resort. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a while, and I'm not sure I was terribly effective in the beginning. I just, you know, I knew I was working the same way I'd work on many people, and the techniques didn't get get these clients better. Right. So I went to, uh, I got a master's degree from Naropa, and that was in the late 90s. And in the late 90s, what was out was a somatic program, and I decided that that I wanted to really look and see what this somatic work was. And so the first thing they started doing... At Naropa. At Naropa. Yeah. Naropa mm-hmm. University in right. Boulder, Colorado. And what they started pointing out was this huge link to stress. So I started looking into it and studying it, and then some other things started to click in. I started studying trauma. Um, I lived with Peter Levine for a while. Um, it's seen early manuscripts of Waking the Tiger and basically tried to get all the good contact and studies in Boulder at the time that I could dealing with trauma. I took a class with Pat Ogden mm-hmm. and really paid attention to what people were saying. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's, a, here's a reading out of a book. So I'm on a tangent for a minute. And this book is called The Leadership Dojo. And it's by one of my heroes, Richard Strozzi Heckler. And he's a former military He's an Aikido master. I don't know if he's a master, but he's an Aikido practitioner. He's written books. He works in corporate, and he's got a, a company, the Strozzi Institute, Leadership Institute, and it's an amazing place. Mm-hmm. But here's what he wrote. <clears throat> this is from the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. Disabling stress has doubled since 1990. Between 70% and 90% of hospital employee visits are linked to stress. Depression, get this one, depression has doubled with every generation since the 1920s. More than a million people a day are absent from work for stress-related disorders. One in three Americans seriously thought about quitting work in in 2000 because of job stress. And one in three experts, uh, one in three expect to burn out on the job in the near future. 
Now, here's another one. A landmark study conducted by the University of London concluded that unmanaged reactions to stress were more dangerous risk factor for cancer and heart disease than either cigarette smoking or high cholesterol food. The American Medical Association reported that 75% of physician visits are psychosomatic. Employee stress costs businesses $300 billion, B, billion dollars a year in absentee, loss of talented employees, health costs, and programs implemented to reduce stress. I got like two more here. Um, the cause of the majority of employees' stress and lack of emotional commitment are the very managers who are supposed to be leading them. So leadership is a big problem. And the American Heart Association says that one-third of the American workforce now has high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> so this oh, is... Oh, we're in so much trouble. Well, and it's so prevalent. You know, we know what's out there. Mm-hmm. So then I started looking at stress and, and figuring out, or not figuring out, but reading and applying things that I'd learned to treat people different. So it's still deep tissue body work. Mm-hmm. It's still things that really move the body, but the concepts shift a little bit. You're trying to remove stress mm-hmm. or contraction in the muscles. And the reason for it, see, the, the, reason. Re- the reason for the muscles contracting is what we're going after. Exactly. Not just let's relax these muscles, but why yeah. are you getting yourself into such a state? Because how many clients say to you, I didn't know that was tight. Oh my goodness, you're finding things I had no idea, you know, and they don't, they just, they have no idea. The key to that one is that whatever we practice, we get better at. And so when we practice that a lot, which is our response to stress, mm-hmm. right? Uh, thinking the way we think about our boss or figuring out what it means to be late going to work or coming home or maybe living in a high-stress home. We physically take it on. Mm-hmm. We tighten our shoulders. We squeeze our gut. You know, as all massage therapists. I'm late. I can't pain. believe I'm late again. Exactly. You know. And we have this physical response. Our body crunches in and we go, Rrr. Right. Well, first thing that happens when the body crunches in, the container called our skin stays the same size. But when you squeeze, blood pressure goes up. So mm-hmm. the stress of pulling our muscles in gives us high blood pressure. Yeah, makes right? sense, yeah. And then we practice that over and right. over and over again. We get Every good at it. Every day and we get good at it. And the better we get at it, the more we call it, hey, that's just the way life is. That's I'm, the way I am. Is, it's just life. There's, mm-hmm. there's no one way or another. This is just reality. Right. And then when you rub their shoulders or you dig an elbow into a spot and they go, I didn't know it was tight. One of the key things that I first work on my clients is to respond with, I'm tightening. And that's a hard one sometimes. You know, to, you, to, for them to tell you that they are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you work into a, you know, a trapezius muscle or you, you, you work really deep under the subscap area and they go, ah, that's <gasps> tight. And you go, no, you are tightening. There's a signal from your brain to that muscle group that's saying, be tight and stay tight mm-hmm. and get so good at it that you never let go. And they resist. They resist mm-hmm. the, the, the impetus even to relax because there's, there's, why do they do that? Have you discovered that yet? So there's a thing called the fight or flight response. And it happens when we get stressed out. Now, I can't tell you what is and what isn't stressful. I love jumping out of airplanes. I see the door open in the back of an airplane. I got a parachute on and I'm going, yeah, and it's uh, not stressful. Right. Other people get in a plane with all the doors closed and seatbelts and they panic. Right. So stress is always first off self-prescribed. 
you are the only person that can tell what is stressful to you. That makes sense? Yes. Nobody can say this is stressful, this action is stressful, war is stressful. Because I've worked it's with a, combat soldiers yeah. who are not stressed in combat. They've done it so much and they feel so um, in their element that they just don't display high cortisol levels and high adrenaline levels. They get very calm. Oof. And they get in there and fight. And exactly. So do the reason guard I said duty that, and all that calm. The reason I said that is you Ugh. said, "Have I figured out or looked at why?" Right. Why? Well, first off, we're not looking at what is or what isn't stressful. We're looking at the things that we do when we respond to stress. Right. Right. And when we respond to stress, we tighten our muscles and we go into a fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. So when you said, "Why do they resist?" Remember back to your question. Yes. Because if I'm in a fight-or-flight mode and you press on something, my tendency is to go into fight-or-flight. I'm either going to try to go, ooh, ow, stop, or I'm going to go, ah, that hurts too much, and I'm going to turn it back. It's a subtle thing. But when we apply pressure to a stressed person, we can trigger the fight-or-flight response right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not personal. They're not attacking you. Right. It's just... That came up because the issues in the tissue, you released some of that energy that they've held for so long. Right. You know, and when that starts to happen, instead of seeing that as failure, I started seeing it as success. So I started adding an emotional component to what was going on. And then it got so interesting, I stopped doing body work and I kept with this other shift in the mental and physical domains rather than doing body work. Yeah, well, you went after it, right? You became a counselor. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you spent quite a number of years doing, what was it, like one-on-one counseling? Years. Psychological counseling. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so pick it up again for us and where you then made the switch back to come back into the body. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, the best stuff out there, the stuff that's cutting edge says something very profound. Talk therapy doesn't address stress. It just doesn't. The reason for that is that the brain's divided into different parts. Stress happens to a completely different part of the brain than we talk from. Talking to somebody is talking to a part of the brain that understands cognition. And that part doesn't have a thing in the world to do with stress. The stress is the primitive brain, the limbic brain, and those parts aren't involved in conversation. They're involved in emotion and sensation and experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. What, what we work with as massage therapists all the time. All the time. Uh, you know, I don't know that, you know, at, at BCMT, of course, they do a lot of uh, recognizing the, mod, the body mind and, mm-hmm. and even the spirit and your, your mental capacity uh, with their communication classes, with all we do. Um, I'm always telling students when we're doing deep tissue work, like today we were working on the shoulder and doing mobilizations and there was that resistance. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I kept saying, okay, don't fight with the person. Don't fight. If they're fighting, you stop. You've got to do something else to like, almost like as if you have to hypnotize them into relaxing and letting go. And then suddenly they'll be looking at you going, you can go. And I hear this from table to table students saying, you can go deeper now. You can, you can get a hold of that now. Don't hold back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like so, so begging list, for it. Listen to what you said. Mm-hmm. Like hypnosis. Right. Removing the stress from their body. Right. Mm. When we release stress, we change as a human being physically, emotionally, and mentally. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, no matter certainly. what aspect you're going from, to finish that part where you, you asked, 
have you, did you bring it back? You have to use the human body. So you have to access the body to deal with trauma. Talking doesn't work. The body's how you access the healing of trauma. Mm-hmm. through somatic work, through engaging the body in the healing process rather than the front neocortex of the brain. Mm, yes. Well, um, talk therapy is not that we're throwing it out the, the window no. because you do need, a lot of people don't even realize that they, like, they don't, they don't confront the issues with their family and friends, you know. It's a, it takes a good talk therapist to actually get you to recognize what you need to work on. So, I mean, that That's was helpful. But then... Uh, yeah, you walk out of the office, your body's still pretty tight. It can be. I've been to talk therapy because I had to take some sessions. I have a traumatic background. There are things in my background that gave me what would classically be defined as PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I've left talk therapy but and felt much better, but they've engaged my body. It hasn't been a cerebral conversation. It has been an ex- a conversation that's an exploration of my physical experience. Right. Well, they do a lot of that in certain programs at Naropa as well. So it's exactly. not just talk therapy. They're big into, you know, um, you know, working with the whole person and having a yeah, holistic exactly. approach. So maybe different than just, you know. So you can't do any one or the other and have it work, right? You have to engage people with words and language. The whole person. And you have to address the whole person. You've got to address the emotional, physical, and spiritual and, and mental aspects of a human being. Okay. Or else it doesn't work. So were you going with sort of like um, advice or uh, just sharing your personal experience for a massage therapist in putting together the whole package with their clients and not crossing the boundary, uh, per se, of uh, getting into psychotherapy and, you know, doing psychotherapy with people? Because, you know, sometimes they get so scared they might be doing that that they don't do any talking. Uh, you know, where's, well, the, where's the balance there? So I'm going to talk then directly to healthcare professionals, non-therapists, non-psychotherapy approach, okay? Okay. This is physical therapy, this is massage therapy, this is sports, it's whoever we're talking to right now, okay? Manual therapists, though. Manual, hands-on right. therapists. Okay. If you can get someone to lower their shoulders, to soften the muscles in their neck, and to breathe through their nose and out through their mouth, at a very slow rate, sounds like this. Breathe in, two, three, four, hold. Exhale, two, three, four, hold. And you repeat that with your client, and you <laughs> soften the muscles in their neck. And here's another piece. You get them to rotate their head from side to side. What you're doing is very profound. You're breathing in through your nose, which calms the fight-or-flight response down in the center of your head. It's literally a rapid response center in the center of your head. gets cooler when you breathe through your nose. When you soften the muscles in your shoulders and you turn your head from side to side, you send a message to a primitive part of your brain that says, there is no danger near me. Because when we first reacted to danger and stress, it was often a cyber-toothed tiger or danger. We were running. No, we were freezing. We were freezing? Yeah. So So what is this turning of the head, the turning of the head thing? So think of somebody who's in an anxiety attack or that are panicked, mm-hmm. they tend to pull in and their neck freezes and their shoulders kind of okay. go up a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so and they, they end freeze. up looking out of the corners of their eyes, right? They, they, their head doesn't move, but their eyes go from side to side. Okay. Yeah. That says, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move an inch because there's danger. Now we don't 
think that way. But that's the system that's kicking into place of the fight, flight, or freeze part, right? Right, right. It says freeze because there's danger. When mm-hmm. you breathe slowly in through your nose, cool the rapid response team down, drop your shoulders all the way down, breathe again, and then turn your head from side to side, it's physically impossible to demonstrate the body chemistry of anxiety. You can't have anxiety labels, meaning high adrenaline and low oxytocin in your system, if you're breathing slow and your shoulders are soft and you're turning your head from side to side. It's literally that simple. And turning the head, does it, does it require also that you look with your eyes? or Keep just... your eyes centered in the socket okay. and rotate from side to side. Now, I do this with my clients all the time, and they have no clue, really, what I'm doing. I'm just telling them to breathe in through their nose, not through their mouth. I'm massaging the neck, or I'm stretching the shoulder muscles so that there's freedom, and I roll their head from side to side. That sends a message. I'm making big movements, and I'm breathing slowly. Therefore, I'm not in danger and the body begins to change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, that's just one technique. But if you see, the underlying movement isn't about now releasing the muscles so much as it is to remove the stress and the experience of danger. Even though it's subconscious and subtle, you want to make people feel safe. Mm -hmm. You know what the biggest sound that you're looking for is? Ah. Thank you. Do it together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right? You know, that's what you're looking for. You Ah. do that. And that's a sign of adrenaline leaving the system mm-hmm. and oxytocin taken over. So you have a high, happy state right. and low energy fuel in your system, okay. you know, panic fuel. Yeah, I don't know that our listeners heard completely when you said what actually happens when you breathe through the nostrils, you Let actually yeah. cool the so the amygdala. The amygdala. So there, there's, there's two little organs, and their, their name is the amygdala, and it's Latin for almond. So there are two almond-sized amygdala in the center of your head, deep, deep in the primitive and limbic part of your brain. They share a common wall with the sinus cavity, which is generally moist. So when you breathe in slowly, why don't you try this? Take a breath in really slow through your nose. Exhale with your mouth. Now this time when you breathe in, see if you can feel the temperature in the center of your head cool down. Ready? Well, I do. Literally, you can feel how the inside of your head... Absolutely so do, yeah. The studies, these fMRIs and the SPECT scans that they do to look at traumatized brains and stressed brains, mm-hmm. what they do is they inject a little teeny tiny bit of radioactive substance, and then they look at the brain under a scan that shows where the blood's going. So when there's a lot of blood going to the amygdala, there's a lot of heat. It's hot. It's hot. So you're hot-headed, right? right? Yeah. And so when you breathe into your nose you're cooling the amygdala down. Right. The other side of it is the nostrils are small in comparison to the size of the mouth. The mouth, when you breathe into your mouth, you're telling your body, I need fuel. I need it fast because I'm going to (gasps) run. Yeah. That's trying to get in fuel fast. I'm scared, yeah. And so that literally, mechanically, through a system of nerves in your lungs, triggers a speed-up system. You breathe into your mouth, you tighten your muscles, and you increase your adrenaline. Right. Ready to go, ready yeah, to Yeah, runners fight. in front of a race. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know? You, right. You ever see a kid do this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you I, see the I, temper tantrum yeah. coming, right? Yeah, I relate. <laughs> I was so, like that when I was a kid. That's why we tell the kids, slow down and take a breath. All right. It cools the system down. So we're literally trying to calm the amygdala down. Mm-hmm. 
So when we're encouraging our clients to breathe, or we catch them not breathing, yes. or breathing shallowly, <laughs> that's a signal to us that we have to pay attention to that, don't we? Absolutely. Okay. So I believe from yoga, massage, somatic psychology, I taught um, at Naropa and BCMT, and from all the teaching, it boils down to breathe, relax, and ground. Well, breathing. I mean, how many people really yep. know how to do that? all day long properly. If you breathe slowly and you breathe steadily through your nose, not your mouth, you're going to get solid. You're going to get grounded. You're going to get calm. The, and you're going to get the tension out of your abdomen because a lot of people can't relax their abdomen enough when they breathe. Exactly. You know, I always tell people, listen, breathing is important. to. It's the first and last thing we do. How about all those times in between? Don't mm -hmm. you think, you know, you'd be better off if you just relax, relax your... Breathing. I remember so, so working with the... So let what yeah. you just said? Yeah, sure. You said, the first thing you do is take a breath in, right? It's the first thing. You they breathe in when you're born. <gasps> right? And right. the last thing you do is you exhale the breath. <sighs> the death breath, right? Mm -hmm. In between, the only difference between the breaths is how conscious you are of them. So the more consciousness we can bring to our clients about their breath... Mm -hmm the more we can change their you know, life. Yeah, you know what clients say to me? Well, I start breathing okay after I leave here, and then I find myself all week long holding my breath, and I get a really tight in the pit of my stomach. Because holding tight is a stronger habit than breathing slow at that point. It's just a habit. Our job is to help train a new habit in them. Hey, how's your breathing doing? Mm -hmm. Have you slowed this down? You yeah. spend an hour with a client, mm -hmm. getting them to slow their breath down? Oh, my, are you creating a strong habit? Okay, that's an hour. And then I think that what happens, and people tell me this too, it's like I, I'm learning how to breathe better. I'm mm -hmm. learning how to catch myself not breathing. That's mm -hmm. like the next week or two. And then within a month, we stop talking about it. But their, their breathing gets much more natural, much more down into the yeah uh, full breathing, you know? Let full me breathing. add something when, you're, when we're working with this. There's a huge conceptual shift that I want to try to put out on that. So when I have clients and they forget to breathe and they come back and they say, I forgot to breathe or I haven't, I'm not doing that. You hear this oh, and they're mad at themselves, right? Like oh, I lost it. I was there for a while, but I, yeah. I, I, and that's a shift of right or wrong. I did it or I didn't do it. And I want to try to instill an idea that either we're getting better at breathing and slowing our breath down at the proper times and speeding up consciously at the right time, right. but we're getting more conscious about choosing our breath for each moment, mm -hmm. either we're getting better at that or we're not. And so if they say, I did it, and they get mad at themselves, my whole point is, no, you did it on your own for probably the first time in years. Right. And you create the sense of, oh yeah, I can do this. So the more we can give back to them that it's not about right or wrong, but are you getting better or are you not getting better? Yeah. Then we create an empowered client. Right. Instead of a scolded one. Yeah. Oh, ever but that's cultural. People. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's so ingrained in us. No, but the clients scold themselves enough. I know. That I don't need your help. I do it great by myself. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I used to, from the East Coast, we used to be much more scolding in our approach to people, you know. In New York, you just say, all right, lay down and relax. Come on, like, you know, almost yelling at them. Almost Let me get my elbow in there. I'll make you relax. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't really respond oh, until true. you meet them where they are. Well, when you meet a New, York, New Yorker where they are, it's up there, you know, in the tension realm, the yeah. penthouse, you know. Mm. So, yeah, getting them all the way down to the basement and the sub-basement, down the subway of breathing, it, it does 
it's monstrous the first few weeks with the with some clients. Some clients are so ready to relax you can hardly wake them up after. So let me go back from the beginning of my, my practice. Okay. I started doing the massage, right? Then I dropped into psychology after 15 years or so. And then I learned more about stress and all the chemical components and what happens to the body. I started teaching it. And then I had the, a wonderful opportunity to train thousands of active duty soldiers. Ten hut. Talk about stress, watch yeah. the response in these men and women. And I have to share with you that no matter where I go in my career, no matter what I'm doing, I, I literally thousands of soldiers, the truth is it comes down to the simplest things in our life. It's not complicated, mm. right? Is the danger real? If it's not, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. If it is, breathe in through your mouth, get adrenaline and go do what you got to do if there's real danger. Mm-hmm. But choose. And, and you don't want to get good at fighting danger all the time because then you get masterful at, negativity bias and saying this isn't going to work and and pushing and it becomes second nature yeah mean people are mean Mm -hmm. because it hurts to be them you know really get the body soft get the breathing slow get the tension out of the system Mm -hmm. whether you're a massage therapist a physical therapist a psychotherapist from a somatic perspective or anything else in there get the people to experience safety a relaxed Mm -hmm. that ready (sighs) ah Thank you. <laughs> right. Get your clients to do that, and you're doing the world a service of good. Yeah, the whole world, because it will take one soldier at a time calming down as they come home. <laughs> I'm sorry, my father was Army, you know, and I'll tell you that just working with him, I'm just taking 25 years to get him to give me, a, for, for me to give him a massage where he's actually calm. Mm-hmm. You know, so just working with him and seeing him I mean, he was World War II. He was drafted at 17. He was in Korea. He saw a lot of nasty things. And and he's so innocent. But it's a, it's the same thing. When, when I try to work with him, it takes him about 15 minutes before he starts to really breathe, even though I'm, I'm talking him through exactly. the breathing. Okay, but he's got an old soldier's body. I want to put it that way. So, so he still has a lot at- of... Look at the culture he grew up in. In the tissues. And he grew up through the Depression. Exactly. A lot of non-safety. A lot of non-safety and a lot of a culture where um, individuals, heroes, rode off into the sunset alone and and you'd never ask for help. Right. You know, they they talk about the greatest generation, but that wasn't the generation that understood trauma. They said, you know, hey, you got this problem, deal with it and get on. You know, don't talk about it, buck up and keep going. That's right. And a lot of them, and a lot of them will tell you, and I turned out all right. Exactly. And because he's 88 years old, he could still, you know, probably kick your ass and everyone (laughs) else is around here and and be, he's real strong. You know, um, I I work with a man named Paul Darby and one of his lines is he ran into an old timer on one of the units and the guy would say, trauma, shlama, there's no such thing. I've had worse and I turned out fine. Right. We'll go back to the beginning of our conversation. Only you can describe and define what is traumatic to you. Right. So if you're fine, I mean, fine defined as that individual would define their fineness. Yeah. You know, leave them alone because, yeah, you really can't. No, remove the sense of danger. Remove the sense of danger. But if they feel like they don't have any danger affecting their lives. See, you're going from a mental perspective, right? Right. But his body's tight. You know, there's still things that affect us. And you the, go to those, work on them, they exactly. go, they're the person that says, I had no idea. Yes. I was so tight. Okay. So that, 
Thank you, Chris, because that really helps to explain things in a way that I think a massage therapist can then relax themselves because they will come out of those sessions so frustrated, like I didn't do anything for that person. And Mm -hmm. that person writes them, like in the student clinic, writes them a great evaluation. Oh, this was fantastic. Best massage I ever had. I'm so relaxed. So a lot of that also is your self-perception of how you felt afterwards. How you define success. Because you work with people that get massage all the time and you have uh, an idea of what success is and because this didn't match it, you're hard on yourself. We've got a few more minutes, uh, about 10 more minutes here. There were a couple other things you wanted to mention before we were done today. You have Um, some classes coming up too that we want to hear about. Yeah, so one of the things that I'm working with right now is something called tension release exercises. And I got this email, uh, yeah, email yesterday from a physical therapist as a testimonial. And so I'm just going to read it real quick. Did they quick. take your class? He did. He, he was he one of my students. Class. He is a certified tension release practitioner, and he's continuing with his training, and he, he's really, he rocks. Um, I've been teaching this program for about three years. I'm one of the uh, five level three trainers that train the trainers in the United States right now. And so one of my students wrote me this letter. It says, to anyone interested in the trauma release exercise, Having been a physical therapist and a certified athletic trainer for the past 24 years, I've seen my share of pain and muscular tension. I've done lots of massage, joint mobilization, stretching exercise, and home exercise programs in an attempt to normalize the body's function, increase performance, and eliminate this pain and tension. I have also had a lot of frustrations with chronic problems that have not resolved with regular physical therapy. I've realized that a lot of this pain and tension was coming from an upregulated nervous system. And until that was addressed, the symptoms and limitations would not change. Here's the plug for TRE. Enter TRE. This is an amazing process that decreases and can even eliminate these holding patterns, allowing the body to do what it's designed to do, which is move freely, efficiently, pain-free, and be in a state of peace. The stress, pain, and tension, and trauma that is stored in the body not only affects us physically, but also emotionally and even affecting our personality. To affect all of that with one simple home exercise is truly amazing. The changes I have seen in my clients and myself from TREs is the most significant of any technique that I've used in my past 24 years of practice. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Yeah. So this exercise is a series of six to eight minutes of basic calisthenics and you lay down on the ground and the body starts to shake and tremor. And uh, everybody here, Jorge and you, all experienced it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's a very powerful experience. So if you're interested in certification in the program... It's awesome for massage therapists, physical therapists, psychotherapists, anybody who's interested in helping with people, or you just want to learn about your stress response. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this was fantastic for me, yeah. So um, there's a program, I think I dropped the line there, but there's two programs. One I'm teaching in Singapore, June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Yeah, let's run out to Singapore to check that out. It's a beautiful city. It's It's a a great place to go. And the people here, if you're listening in Singapore, he'll be there soon. I'll be there soon. We're going to have a level one certification program going on there. The first one in Asia. Okay. And it's open to the public. So if you are interested, come down to Singapore. It's one of the best cities I've been to. Don't you need me to come and assist you? Maybe next time. Do do exchanges with you and, you know, keep you company on the plane, that long plane ride? You make it sound so rough. I will sometime, (laughs) you know. And then the other one I'm doing is in Boulder, Colorado at the Boulder College of Massage Therapy oh, right here on June 15, 16, and 17, June. Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next month. June 15, 16, 17. That's correct. Okay, and they can get all this information on your website, which they can get off our website when they tune in, but say your website again. L-A-N-D-O-N-W-E-R-K-S.com. Landonworks.com. 
Okay. And this yeah. is a website that I've designed that if you're interested and curious, you should be able to go to the website and find something that will help you just by looking over the website. There's a ton of material, a lot of articles, a lot of videos, mm. and you should definitely be able to take away stuff that'll help you right away. Right. And and, and also has int- information about where TREs came from and all that? Yep. The founder of TREs and all that information. Wonderful. Okay. What a pleasure. You. It's been great. I would like to recommend to people, a lot of people have joined this podcast over the last couple of months on Facebook. So I would recommend if you like what you're listening with uh, today with Chris, that you go back into our website, massagepodcast.com, and look for episode number eight, where he went into deeper stuff about TREs, which is amazing, very, very interesting stuff. So if you would like to listen some more, go ahead and check episode number eight. And if you can enroll in his class, just do it. All right. Thank you, Jorge. And thank you, Chris. Appreciate you being here. And once I do need again. to say that Elaine has been in that class. And Elaine Twice. has been in that class, <laughs> and I loved it. And it was uh, just amazing to meet, uh, you know, David Berselli, the founder of the techniques, and hear from him as well. Um, Chris, so great to have you on. Let's talk afterwards. And Could we ask him for just a quick tip of the week? Quick tip of the week. Yes, repeat again, because here's the key to learning a new behavior. Remember to repeat and repeat to remember. So here it is. Breathe in through your nose out through your mouth. Relax the muscles in your shoulders and let your head turn from side to side very slowly. Do that, repeat it, get masterful at it, and you will change your life. It's that simple. For the better. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, and we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks with another fabulous guest. We appreciate your listening. (laughs) 